0: Welcome to the Media and Marketing Podcast, sponsored by MWW. My name is John Reynolds, the host. Later in the show, we got a little interview with a new Channel 4 chief exec, Alex Mahone, who we caught up with last week at an advertising association event, and we asked her about a possible move out of London. She also talked about her policy towards sexual harassment and her love of journalists. We've also got an interview with Chris Duncan, the managing director of The Times and The Sunday Times, who um, talked to us about the uh, the potential impact to the Times of the recent changes at Facebook, and also how he's grappling with challenges of luring in the uh, next generation of paid subscribers who are obviously demanding free content. Uh, before all that, we're joined by media consultant Howard Bearum, who's going to give us some insight into the reasons behind all these media pictures that are going on at the moment. So that's up first. Morning, John. Oh, hi, Howard. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, So we've got all these big media accounts being put up for pitch. We've got uh, Sky in the UK. We've got Shell, Asda, HSBC. I think the drummer reporting that there's £10 billion worth of media businesses up for review globally. So it'd be great to get some insight. I mean, is this all coincidence or is it other reasons why all these pitches are up at the moment?
1: Well, I, I, I think you can maybe say it's coincidence. I mean, uh, when you know an appetizer, it's, it's a big undertaking to take an account to, to pitch.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I think naturally some contracts may be coming to an end or they have set internal policies where they have
1: to review, you know, media accounts or
2: supplier accounts in the
1: vertical after a period of time. Yeah. And I think um, you know, when when a client does take it to review, as I say, it's a big undertaking. So so they're, they're looking, you know, they do review, they're looking for new ideas, they're looking for value plays a big part on these things and so sure. goes from fees, media pricing obviously client service in terms of who they're working with and, and the general agency structures to make sure they're, they're fit for purpose with the with your own internal brand structures. And obviously the world is changing at a rapid pace in terms of the media landscape but, and clients you know, need to ensure that they have the right agency um on board to help them sort of navigate the world that they want to in the next sort of two or three years because contracts aren't for eighteen
2: months they tend to be for sort of three or five years at a minimum I would have thought yeah but overall I think you know they're, they're, you know as I say, it's a big undertaking for a client to, to do that and obviously um it's uh, it's a big undertaking for an agency when their account comes up for review yeah but obviously you know they every does everything they can to try and avoid that yeah and I think what well, I think what will be interesting
1: is where these accounts actually go, because obviously they are—you know—they're not, you know, 10, 15 million pounds accounts. These are worldwide companies, and obviously some of UK pitches, some of global pitches. Sure. Uh, and I think it's interesting to see what the, what the roster what the, what, the, what the roster of new agencies may be. Yeah. they stay within the established groups because, yeah. you know, as I highlighted, people looking for service, strategy, value, and not not direct transparency of media pricing, media contracts. Uh, but it just depends what weighting each advertiser or brand is putting on those aspects. If you see what I mean, I think yeah. that will give us a, give us a uh, a feeling. If if you know the current debate is all about transparency and you know these big large media companies are the evil empire. I'm not quite sure it's totally true in fairness. I think you know you're dealing with large brands, large companies that mm. so aren't naive mm. when they agree agency contracts. And mm. um, if you if you look at the Sky one in the UK, for example, then. I think there's shortness, obviously Mediacoms, the incumbent, mm. and, the, and the two others that are left in the race are Zenith and Karras. So people are sort of saying, well, you know, the, these, <laughs> these larger clients are going to rip it up and start again. Yeah, I think might be slightly getting ahead of themselves, but okay. I think, you yeah, know, I mean, it's interesting, but obviously, if a WPP, it tends to be all their accounts,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, okay. And just, they've, just... They've got and how, I mean, how concerned are clients worried about agencies having strategies in place to combat things like ad fraud and brand safety? That's obviously always been a concern, but it seems more of a concern than ever. Is, is, that, is, that, yeah. is that... I think so. Obviously, you know, and I, I, think, I think that's a great garage pace. And I think, you know, I think
1: you've got to hold... You know, I think, you know, wherever you go, I, I think... I don't think that necessarily would drive a pitch I, no. that they thought that they're
0: because... You're going to other companies, and don't forget, the, the, the other agencies that could be in the running for a new bit of business will have similar, I mean, things are different by other, but they are the same. You mm. have similar
1: structures. And obviously, don't forget, you aren't
0: dealing with the same media owners yeah. in the marketplace about transparency of and viewability, for example. So mm. you can't get away that you're going to you know,
1: move from, 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 from a totally different sort of ecosystem to, to another one. But I think clients are concerned about that, but I think... You
0: know, I'm not privy to what, what how the weightings work in each of these pitches mm. because obviously you know there will be a weighting attached to that you know the, sure. the transparency yeah. or it could be a bigger weighting to value. I mean I've
1: never worked on a pitch where pricing stayed the same. That yeah, way. Okay.
0: And just I mean I mean you mentioned about some of the um, you'd be interested in where these pitches are going. Are you surprised that I mean there seems to be a consensus that clients are demanding new models and. Uh, genuine transparency and some of these traditional agencies are struggling to provide that are you surprised that there's not some I mean there's lots of talk about management consultants and other people coming into pictures but they don't seem to have been touted around as possible you know picking up these briefs are you surprised at that that it's still you know the same the same agencies
1: Yes and no. I don't mean, think you can underestimate the amount of work that goes okay. into these. That, at these agencies, you know, do you, you have You have caring, passionate people. Yeah. The bad PR. I mean, you know, I've worked in agencies for you know over twenty years, and to sort of be big, big, big painted as you know, where the you know they are the bad, bad cops of this world. I think is, I think is a bit ridiculous. Could, could service levels or could
0: you know transparency? I'm sure in contracts be um, be clear up possibly I'm not quite sure but I'm just saying I don't think you can sort of point it in one direction but I do think it just going to show that you know while you've got the new kids on the block you know making a bit of noise and, mm. and, and, and scurrying around the edges these large you know uh, um, uh, established companies sure. Have expertise and they're
1: developing their expertise in all sorts of areas to maintain and keep ahead of the game against mm. the other consultancy companies that might be coming in because, mm. um, yeah. you know, they, these are you know, what right, you know, they are they are, they are experts on what they
0: do, and I say, you know, that they're, they're obviously things can always be done better, I suppose, or you can have a different viewpoint depending on which 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 chair you sit in, but I think um, okay. you know the, the, these
1: agencies are, are pretty
0: good at what they do. Okay, right, fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us, Howard. That's great. All right, take care. No
1: problems,
3: take care. Cheers, John, bye. You've been there, what, three or four months now? No, even three. Oh, really? Yeah, I just feel like I've been there ages. Can I just ask, have you made any, any changes so far since you've joined, or is it still too early to...
2: It's am a little bit early to comment on the strategy, but you know I hired a new creative director in terms of the head of program. Um, Ian Katz? Yes, sure. From New World? Um, And he's just getting better than he only started at kind of one. Okay.
3: And just, um, I'm not going to be too long. In terms of the event this morning, what did you get out of it? I mean, did you have a lot of learnings from this this morning?
2: I think there's fascinating questions there about about what Brexit means for us in the creative industry. just came in that session about if you're an advertiser appealing to an audience in uncertain times how do you do that alongside premium brands and in a premium environment where you know that consumers have trust consumers are losing trust in social media environments and they're losing trust in some of their messages so for us as a public service broadcaster, that's a really important role we have to play.
3: Okay, and last couple of questions, then we'll go. Just in terms of obviously, during your point, there's lots of talk about what's going to happen in terms of a possible move out of London. Is it fair to say that obviously your predecessor, David Abraham, was loath to move the business at all out of London? I think you said that something like 75% of the staff would quit, uh, would quit Channel 4. Is it fair to say that you've got a different approach and you're more open to talk to government about moving parts of the business or even the entire business outside of London? Out of London, sorry.
2: So all of Brits, all of the nations, all of the regions, and that's what I said on stage. It's our job to represent everywhere from Bristol to Birmingham, and to do that for the viewer. And that's an important question for us in terms of how we spend our money, how we cast things on screen, how we source them, and how we raise those opinions internally. So those are all important questions for us. But the sort of discussion about that is ongoing.
3: Okay. So you've spoken to the new culture secretary, Matt Hancock, about this, have you? Well, I know. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So you are quite open to the idea of moving to Birmingham or Manchester? So. We are open to doing what our whole team is, which is
2: about contributing to the whole of the nations and the whole of the region.
3: Now, okay, one more question now, okay. I'm sorry, it's horrible these journalists, aren't
2: they? I love journalists. In terms
3: of, <laughs> in terms of um, all the um, hula uh, all the hoopla that came out of the Harvey Weinstein revelations, obviously
2: there's lots of stories about what happened in Parliament. On Hollywood. Have you seen,
3: in Channel 4, has there been a spike in terms of people coming forward with claims of harassment or sexual harassment at Channel 4? And have you changed, have you introduced any training or anything like that in regards to sexual harassment?
2: So I've been super clear, as you might expect, from the first female CEO, there's zero tolerance for sexual harassment. And we're working together with PACT and with NAVS in terms of the advertising industry to the it to revise codes of contracts across the industry. Of
3: we can be a leader in that. Okay. Well you've not
0: had any spike, you've not had people coming forward and number of people. Right, sorry, but thank you. I've got a job to do, but thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Hello and welcome to the main part of the Media and Marketing Podcast sponsored by MWW. And I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Duncan, who is a Managing Director of Times Newspapers. Thank you very much for joining the podcast, Chris. Firstly, uh, as I ask all my guests, can we just get a potted history of your career today? And also, where are carrying out this interview? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, we're here today at London Bridge, uh, our offices in London Bridge. Um,
4: my name is Chris Duncan, I guess uh, my potted history would be I uh, did a stint in uh, Australia with American Express, yep. uh, ran a publishing uh, CRM company for uh, maybe 10 years, uh, building subscriber systems for publishers. I joined News uh, in 2007 yep. um, and since then have uh, probably a, a different role every couple of years including uh, launching the paywall product uh, for The Times, uh, being Chief Marketing Officer across The Times and The Sun. Um, and latterly, nowadays, uh, the Managing Director for Times Newspapers, which is the Times, the Sunday Times, uh, the TLS, and the Sunday Times Travel Bank. And when did you become Managing Director then? When was that? Was that? Uh,
0: 14 months ago. Okay, okay. Now, it would be remiss not to ask you this question. So there's lots of hoo-ha in the press the past few days about the President's Club and what happened there. Obviously, it's been closed down uh, now. Uh, have you actually ever been to a President's Club event, been invited, or have you been to a similarly... Uh, a, a fundraising event, which was, let's say, just slightly unpc.
4: Hmm. Uh, I can categorically say I've never been to a president's club event. Um, I should congratulate the FT on the story, uh, yeah. by the way, it's a, it a great story. Um, no, and uh, I, was, I was thinking back, as you do when some of these things break, to think have, I don't think I've ever been to a men only uh, event of, of uh, any nature,
0: um, and, and certainly not one of that type. So, uh, and, okay. and I. I will never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's on record. He will never do it. And um, very briefly, the, the New Look Guardian, which was out uh, a few days ago. Have you, uh, have you been buying copies of The Guardian now or not? Or? Oh,
4: well, obviously, uh, any, any change in design of uh, a national newspaper, you have a good look. I think um, I think good job. I think it's a conversion to tabloid, um, which, you know, we're big fans of the tabloid here. Um, and I, I think they've done a pretty good job. I think it will, it will, you know, their readers will adapt to it quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and,
0: uh, yeah, I wish him luck. Okay. Uh, okay, now, uh, another recent story. Uh, early this month, a uh, significant landmark um, in some people's eyes, the, the Times overtook the Telegraph in terms of print sales. So this according to the latest ABC figures. So the Times sells – are you correct me if I'm wrong on these figures? The Times sells an average of 4- 446,000 compared to 393 at the Telegraph. Mm-hmm. I think this partly might be down to, uh, I think um, – this might be to do with bulk copies. I don't think Telegraph is counting uh, bulk copies, which are free copies anymore. But nevertheless, it's a significant achievement. You must be you must be pleased about that, then.
4: Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's, a, it's a master, and I think it was described as a watershed, um, and we, we're very pleased with it. I think um, we'd be similar to the Telegraph, though, that, that we're now uh, looking at our print numbers, but also we're in double-digit growth with digital subscriptions, and we're growing the sort of registered base uh, in our digital business. And... None of us think can afford to just concentrate on, on one of those numbers anymore.
0: Okay, and I think John Witherow, who's been the editor since 2013, said at the time uh, one of his principal ambitions was to overtake uh, the print circulation uh, of the Telegraph, which is obviously achieved. Mm-hmm. I wonder if in 2018 he'd have a similar, um, you know, similar ambition, or he'd have other ambitions, you know, in, in terms of maybe um, what's happening with Facebook and the other, you know, digital pure players. Or do you still think it's significant that he has uh, overtaken the Telegraph?
4: Well, I think what's significant is that we're doing that by uh, growing our audiences, yeah. um, and we've also, in that period, uh, increased the price uh, of print, so what we're delivering uh, a more valuable product uh, to more readers. I think in digital, we've had the same challenge, so I think, I think uh, never speak for the editor, but I think what he'd yeah. say is, can we continue to grow the Times business to, to reach more readers
0: um, and to make sure that we secure the kind of future of sustainable journalism? Okay. So uh, another recent uh, hot subject, recent changes to Facebook newsfeed. Broadly speaking, what's happened is um, posts from businesses, brands, and media are featuring less prominently, instead content that sparks conversations among family and friends who use a site will be emphasised. Now, there's been various suggestions about what impact this will have on on brands, some saying it could spell the death knell for digital pure players. Can you just talk about what impact it does have on the Times and the Sunday Times brand? Obviously, they've got a a Facebook page, which I think is about over 700,000 likes. But... Mm.
4: Uh, well, for, for many years I think we've seen Facebook as a, as a marketing channel, not a publishing platform. Mm. Uh, we use it. Uh, we published maybe uh, less than 10% of the articles we publish every day we would post to Facebook mm. and we're using them to identify the, the next generation of subscribers. Mm. So um, it, I don't think it has a huge impact on the way that we run our business with Facebook. I think the clearest signal uh, that, that's come through in the changes that they're suggesting is um, that, that Facebook is down-weighting uh, publishers as part of their uh, thinking about the
0: platform in order to yeah. protect their advertising, and, and we, should, we should see that for what it is. And do you think the long game, there is some suggestion that Facebook might look to get out the news game altogether, which I guess, long term, would have a... A beneficial effect, obviously, on on publish- publishers like you. Do you think that is the end game for Facebook, or or well, not? I think it's very difficult. If you're a media platform where your
4: customers, uh, your users, share articles from mm. news organisations, and that's you know they say themselves it's four four to five percent of their um, yeah. total traffic, it's very hard for them to get out of the news game. They are a platform on which news is is widely used. Uh, I think what they're trying to do, uh, possibly more, is get out of being responsible for the news
0: game. Yes. Um, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, Rupert Murdoch, your uh, ultimate boss, recently said that, um, suggested that uh, if Facebook should pay fees to publishers if it's committed to supporting accurate news. So the suggestion was um, they should pay some sort of uh, carriage payment, uh, which he said would have a minor minor impact on Facebook's profit, but a major impact on the uh, prospects of publishers and journalists. I guess you would concur with that, would you? Or? I always I always <laughs> concur with the
4: statements of my ultimate boss. Um, I, I think the point he's making is. You know exactly as I just said that there's a there's a huge cost uh, in producing quality journalism in verifying it uh, and in being prepared to stand by publishing it mm. uh, that cost is borne at the moment by publishers yeah um, the bargain I think with the platforms has always been um, you can deliver traffic and reach um, and always the potential of future shares of ad revenue yeah as that recedes into the distance I think we do have to look at. What is the um, what is the benefit to Facebook versus what the benefit is to publishers? Mm. And if you have a strong brand uh, like you know the Times and the Sunday Times, and you are able to to generate a business on your own platform, then those questions really have to be looked at. What we do with other companies who want to use our content but not bear any of the cost of producing it is we charge them for it. Uh, yeah. And so I can see why you got to that conclusion.
0: Okay. Now we talk about Facebook. Let's just talk about the other part of the duopoly. Let's talk about uh, Google and, and YouTube. Um, obviously, lots of controversy about YouTube and um, brand safety. Mm. I think they've made some further inroads into this or, or further efforts to, to get a handle on this. Do you think they've now got a, a full handle on the situation or do you think these stories, which the, well, at times have been rant a lot about, mm. will, 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 will keep cropping up?
4: I, I, I think you have to recognize Google's efforts. Um, I think in uh, changing the rules around YouTube, in um, putting uh, human eyeballs on a lot of the videos uh, in the investments that they've made, I think I think they've uh, they've done a lot, um, and in some ways, we hope that the, you know, bringing to to light some of the practices uh, has helped. That um, I think the change to first click free, which we have, we never took mm. part in. So in, in 2010, we decided that, you know, we wouldn't take part, and it took seven years for us really to get to the new version, flexible sampling. Really, what that meant for us was that for seven years uh, we were hugely discriminated against in mm. the search algorithm because we were running a paid business model rather than a free business model, mm. um, and we're glad to see that's changed. So we see, uh, you know, a lot of work to do, but but we see sort of a meaningful change, I
0: think, from Google. And that change to Google first click thing. What what impact has that had had on t- in terms of numbers then?
4: Well, it makes a huge difference to the referral uh, levels that mm. you get from Google. Uh, you're seeing. I mean, it takes. Uh, one thing you would say is it, we saw this with the Sun when it was behind the paywall and then, mm. and then came out uh, to be free. It probably took 12 to 18 months to get the search equity back to where it was before. Mm. Um, and so we're still kind of early stages. But we have seen uh, you know double-digit increases in uh, the level of
0: Google referrals as a result of the changes to search. When did they make those changes? And that was the end of last year, was it, I think? Yeah, yeah I,
4: I okay. want to say in okay. October.
0: Okay. And just on, on the brand safety issue, as I mentioned... The Times has, has uh, you know, uh, published a number of stories, led the way in this in some respects. And obviously part of your, um, your, your job is to have a relationship with Google. Does that impact that at all? So on the one hand, you've got editorial giving them a, a bit of a kick in, and then you've got to have relationships with Google. Do, do you, are you minded sometimes to say to editorial, can you calm these stories down maybe? Or, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I
4: mean, we keep the two things very separate. Um, quite, quite often, actually, I see the stories uh, at the same time Google does. Oh, okay. Um, and, and, you know, our commercial relationship with Google is based on, uh, you know, standard business practices. We deal with uh, them a lot. Um, they're a partner for us in the advertising side of the business and the publishing side. It's, it's,
0: it's. I think been well handled on both sides. Okay. Uh, now let's just take a step back. I mentioned the the print circulation of the Times. Uh, can we get some numbers in terms of the, the website and the tablet? From my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. So how occasionally I do do a bit of work for the Times. So editorial, the product seems to be focused on the paper and the tablet, and not so much the The website. I mean, you're not competing against the Mail Online for like reader eyeballs and chasing breaking news. That's right.
4: Well, I I think we're focused on uh, digital subscriptions, and we're selling uh, a a digital subscription product that will give you access on a tablet, uh, the smartphone, and the web. Yeah. Um, We probably see the fastest growth, in fact, in our smartphone app products. Oh, really? Um, So it's not. It's not that we don't. um, We don't. You know, we would get to sort of nine million a month, I think. In uh, the, the standard kind of traffic reach measures. I think the difference between us and the mail is uh, you know, we're, we're uh, super-serving a group of readers mm. um, who are going to come back to us every day and read um, you know, for maybe 45 minutes. Mm. Um, that's quite a different game from the, the sort of very large volume uh, publishing game. And it's very hard to do both. I think you're yeah. either in the subscription game, um, in which case you, you have to to some extent sacrifice reach yeah. Uh, to provide depth, um, and I think if you're in the uh, you're in the reach yeah. game, sure. then you have to cover a lot more ground, um, in the way the mail does and the and, and the sun does upstairs.
0: So, what what are the subscription? Have you got numbers for the? or any numbers for the smartphone app and the subscription at the moment? Subscriptions at the moment. We, we don't
4: we don't break them out. I, th- okay. I think the numbers we quote would be around two hundred and ten thousand uh, digital only subscribers, uh, and there's around uh, forty five thousand people I think who pay for both print and digital. Okay,
0: and that's a mix of of UK and overseas, is
4: it? It is, yeah. We're seeing actually we're seeing a lot of growth internationally at the moment. We we see it as an opportunity. Um, I, I think is one of the things that the platforms does let us do is is you know reach out uh, to every country in the world. We have registered users in every country of the world and subscribers in you know uh, pretty much all of them, uh, with a few still to go. Um, so we see that as an area where, if we can find uh, readers who are interested in, you know, London's view of the world, sure. uh, in how Brexit is going to shape out, we're going to have a royal wedding, uh, all of these mm. things sort of bring international interest. So we, we see that as an area
0: that we can we can grow in. Okay, and just I mean, I guess the holy grail for you, like a lot of publishers, is uh, growing the subscriptions, and also, I mean, you've got a younger generation of people who are used to to free content. Then, so mm. how, how are you going to entice them into, you know, to subscriptions? I, I
4: actually. Nowadays, what we actually have is a younger generation who are used to premium content, um, yeah. an older generation who are used to paying for content and are used to premium content, and a kind of gap generation uh, who, through our own fault, we educated to say that the content was going to be free. Yeah. Um, so the traditionally kind of described millennials um, are quite different from the generation that's coming behind them, who are who are quite happy to pay. So we are seeing. Uh, good results in our student sales, um, no, really? we, we're okay. seeing a younger, um, certainly internationally, we see younger audiences. Um, so actually, it's, uh, you know, we, we think it's probably going to be the case that uh, uh, people are going to realize that, that you have to make a decision to say if you want a quality product uh, mm. that isn't going to be as supported by advertising perhaps as it has been in the past, mm. um, then ultimately that cost is, is going to have to be something that people consider.
0: And how do you, I mean, fast forward 10 years from here, how do you see the landscape then in terms of publications? I mean, there's so many publications out there nowadays. I mean, mm. obviously, it seems to be there's going to be some sort of shrinkage. How do, you, how do you see it sort of panning out then in terms of who's going to be left? Or you...
4: I think, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call out who's going to be left. But <laughs> I'd see, um, I would probably see uh, a reduction in the number of people who are providing the full spectrum. Yeah. So the kind of big the traditional bundle of, you know news, politics, sport business, uh, lifestyle, uh, which which we would specialize in. I think you're going to see uh, that it's you're quite able to be a, a big brand that does a big bundle, mm. or you're able to be a small player that can cover uh, a, a topic that people are passionate about very deeply. Mm. I, I think where I'd see challenges in the next few years is probably those in the middle um, who are either not quite big enough brands yeah. to provide the whole bundle properly. Um, or, or don't quite have a specialism, can't quite make up their mind of what they're specialist in. Can you name
0: and shame some of them then, or you're not going to do that? <laughs>
4: uh, uh, it's probably not my thing. No. You, you probably know who I'm thinking of. Yeah. There, there are a few, I mean, you can see... Um, uh, no, I don't really want to name no. them, but you okay. can see examples where um, there are people who had a very clear mission mm. to serve an audience who are now trying to attract as many clicks as they can. And it's very obvious to the, to the reader you know, where it's um, stayed true to its original purpose and, and where it's basically doing whatever it needs to write to serve the ad
0: needs that it has. Okay. Uh, and I think that's going to be the challenge over the next few years. Okay. Um, you obviously, uh, I think it was sometime last year, you had the big story. You had the, I think it was the first, certainly UK print interview with... Uh, Donald Trump, I think Michael Gay yeah. did that. What did you, I mean, how did you, that, that was obviously a big thing, uh, well, it's a big thing, so it's a coup for the town. How did you go about marketing that then? I mean, can, can you just talk us through, how, you know, how that actually happens then? And... Yes, it's interesting. Some,
4: some of these stories market themselves. So I think, uh, as you say, it was the first interview, um, and we had the video. Um, so digitally, we focused a lot on um, how do we make sure that we uh, we, we showed enough uh, of the video to get people interested, but not enough that the story was, was gone. Mm. Uh, I think on the, it, it, I mean, the, the ecosystem that we all work in now, you, you hold an exclusive for a relatively limited period, mm. so it is about capitalising it, sure. you know, on that sort of first morning. Um, I, I think you saw the same with the President's Club story yesterday. That the FT probably had a day um, where it was their story, and then by the next day, it's um, it's everywhere.
0: Okay. And um, last few questions. We touched on the relationship. You said that commercial and editorial are separate. What sort of involvement do you have with? Um, editorial. I mean, how often would you see the John Witherer, the editor, would you, would you see him like once a week or, I mean, it oh, must, must be... I mean, we're only, we're, we're
4: a hop up the stairs yeah, away sure. and a hop downstairs to the, uh, to Martin Ivins and the Sunday Times. Um, no, we talk, we talk, you know, every day. Okay. Um, I, I think there is, there is, there are areas of the paper where uh, it's absolutely right, particularly in investigative journalism, where mm. that is, um, uh, you know, that is held. Very tightly on the editorial floors sure, uh, what we probably talk about more is uh, you know what 's working what is growing subscriptions what are we seeing in reader behavior what are we yeah. hearing in the call centers I mean John um, and, and many of our other journalists have, have been out to the call centers to listen to what subscribers are saying okay. um, and, and to talk to the agents who kind of deal with our subscribers every day so uh, i, th- I don 't think i've ever i, I don 't think I've ever seen a period where editorial, the advertising sales teams, and the marketing teams mm. uh, were probably working closer together.
0: Okay, yeah, that's good to say. And, and Rupert Murdoch, is, he, I guess he just drops in maybe once or twice a year then, does he? Or... Whenever he likes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get much you Okay, and, and outside of the, the times, obviously um, a lot of the listeners work in advertising and uh, uh, media agencies. Mm. There's lots of uh, discussion about media agencies. A lot of UK chief execs have, have departed recently. Uh, and there's lots of issues around transparency on media agencies and whether they've lost their way. I mean, mm. Do you think they'll need a, a fundamental revolution in media, media agencies on what they do? They seem to be getting it from all sides at the moment.
4: Yeah, it, there's been a lot of change, there? there's, um, uh, and a lot of it is around uh, consolidation. Mm. E- equally, I, I think a lot of it is about recognising what probably has always been true, and that the, the value of a great media agency is making sure that their clients... Uh, get the most out of their investments, mm. um, and they really understand where their where their money's going. Uh, I think there's probably been a period in digital where it it, it was less clear, uh, perhaps where clients were uh, less interested, um, and media agencies perhaps uh, you know were were less sure. Mm. Um, and all of those things will change. I think um, you know you've seen clients uh, increasingly sort of demanding of their agencies that there is that level of transparency and. When 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 the ad money demands it, usually the media agency uh, will follow.
0: Yeah, okay. And um, finally, uh, 2018, we're in, well, late January now. Can you, what, what's, what's your focus this year? Is there anything in particular that you're, or is it the same as, as last year, or is, it, is there a new focus on different areas this year? Or? I think, uh, no, continuing to grow
4: the subscription businesses, um, you know, continuing to make sure that the print products are, are, are held to a very high standard of quality. Um, I think we have, uh, you know, some some uh, some work to do probably to make sure that people really understand the difference between uh, professionally sourced and verified journalism mm. uh, and potentially what is available on platforms. So, mm. from a marketing perspective, I think there's a challenge to make sure, you know, we're very clear about um, the benefit that we bring. Mm. So rather than uh, a, a sort of publisher view. Um, we're very clear that we help our readers to, to stay well informed mm. uh, in, in times that are changing very fast. And, mm. and I think if we're really clear about getting that message across, that, that's probably what we're concentrating
0: on. Okay. And uh, I always ask Mike, as a, as a light-hearted question for the last one, what's a, a typical working week? Uh, I mean, what have you, are you, um, you know, someone who gets up at five o'clock and goes on to the gym, are you? Or, I mean, what <laughs> will be a, maybe but, a couple of days? How, how does it vary? Do, do you get out to see media agency people? Or are you office-based? Uh,
4: I'm up at, so I'm up at six. each uh, okay. January, so sometimes I'm, I, 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 I might do something at that point of the day. Um, but I'm... Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in and out the, the various floors of the building. Uh, we get out to see um, advertising clients, um, agencies, our own creative agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we work, uh, you know, nowadays you work to, to actually run something like the, the Times. You're working with technology, um, with the advertising teams, marketing teams, yeah. uh, the finance teams. There's an awful lot of people that need to. Uh, work together to actually get a publisher like ours to 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 grow. Mm. Um, so so really, a lot of what I what I do in the business is just make sure that everybody understands you know what's what's working, what's important, uh, and what we're focusing on, um, and the, where we're getting results. Uh, you know where we're succeeding, uh, where we're investing, um, and where we hope to grow. And I think that's some. So probably uh, my, my typical day is get up at 6 and talk until 8 and then uh,
0: right. have dinner and sleep. Okay, <laughs> there you are. Right, fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. That's great. And uh, stay tuned next week when we'll have some other fantastic guests.